And bless the Lord today. This is a great day. A great day. I want to continue our, our thought about the heavens being opened and we have done for a couple Sundays. And I want you to know if the heaven is ever open to you, there's some things you need to do and there's some things you need not to do if the heaven is ever open to you. Can it happen in this sense of, of, of what happened in the New Testament time in surrounding the Lord, his birth, his, the, the uh, instances that we've mentioned already and will mention again today? Can that repeat? Can that happen? I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, God can. I think... I think probably on the day-to-day level, our opening or heaven being open to us, maybe we'll look at it in a little different sense, is that the Spirit of God is ministering to us all the time. But this literal heaven being broke open, um, which, which they witnessed in the Scripture, you know, I haven't seen in my lifetime, I mean, it can happen. There's been things that I knew that God absolutely did. How many has ever seen or, or known of something, felt something, knew that God absolutely intervened in it? That it just wasn't, you know, imagination, something you thought maybe, but it was literally God who intervened. I mean, there's a lot of circumstances in our life that I can say amen to that. We've seen so much over our years of being in ministry and, and just uh, working with people, how God has done so many great and wonderful things. I want to go to the book of Luke, if you would follow me, in the book of Luke, the ninth chapter. I want to read uh, the whole portion of Scripture here, beginning down at the 28th verse, and we'll read, we'll read through the 36th verse. And I want to read this story. It'll take us a minute to read it. So Luke the ninth, chapter 28, verse, And about eight days after these sayings, it happened. Also taking Peter and John and James, he went into the mountain to pray. And in his praying, the appearance of his face or countenance became different, and his clothing was dazzling white. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. And appearing in glory, they spoke of his exodus, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were pressed down with sleep, But fully awakening, they saw his glory and two men standing with him. And it happened in their parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And he's saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them and... They feared as they entered into the cloud. 
And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, the beloved, hear him. And as the voice occurred, Jesus was found alone. And they were quiet, and they reported to no one in those days nothing which they had seen. Lord, we just ask you now the reading of your word. Another example of, a, of an open heaven. I pray, Lord, that you just speak to us this morning and help us, encourage us, strengthen us in this walk that we're walking, this life that we're living. God, that these examples and things that are done were, were for our good, for our encouragement, and we pray it, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. And so as we, as we look at this setting of Scripture this morning, we have to make it more than just a story. Sometimes we see the things in there, it's just almost like a feel-good story, and I said this last week, but, but the things of God, the events that happened were so real, and again, if you've never witnessed this, I mean, we could look at the characters in this story and, and do some critiquing about them, but if you've never been in this place, you've never been in the game, you don't know how it's played, and so these disciples, we're going to look at them this morning a little bit and what happened. This was a, this was a life-altering thing for them. This same account is found in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark. And both of them, are, along with Luke, they have put together their testimony. Mark, of course, we know that he traveled with Peter and we believe that Mark's gospel was, was taken from what Peter had said and what Peter had preached and the anointing inspiration of the Lord. And then also Luke, at the first of his uh, writing, says, I have studied clearly, I have found the sources, I talked to the people and eyewitnesses of these things and have written this gospel accordingly. And then also uh, Matthew, who was with them. Matthew didn't go up on the mountain with them, but he certainly knew about it. He certainly was privy to all of the things that happened with the disciples. And so each of these has recorded to us and given us this, this story that uh, really is a fantastic thing. It's sort of out of this world thing. The world, they like to call it um, the transfiguration or the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe if you go to Israel today, you can take a trip partially to, part of the trip would be to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm not sure how they would know which mount that was. It doesn't specify in the scripture. It just says they went into a high mountain to pray. And so um, you could go there and perhaps it would be the right one. Perhaps it would not be the right one. And I don't really think that that's, that's the essence here. If he wanted to name that mountain, he would have so that we could go up there and worship. But, but really something happened here that's, that's just bigger than the normal everyday routine of things. And, and I like it when God does something in our life that's kind of out of the routine. Now, I serve the Lord in routine. We all do. Can you say amen? 
You get up in the morning and and one of the things we preach right out of the same chapter, Luke 9, is that, that we take up our cross and follow him. We deny ourselves every day and we get ourselves. That's something that we do and, and we prepare ourselves. We get up in the morning and we, we're prepared to serve the Lord. We're not prepared to go out in the world and do the wrong things. We are prepared to serve the Lord. And, and so that's just part of our life. But when something unusual happens, it, it affects us. It, it, it really can, can put... Uh, a bearing on where we're going and what we're doing. And we call some of those times, we call that revival that God does in our life. It's just an outpouring. It's just something that God does special in our lives. It, there's times that, that we come to church and, and we just enjoy being, we always do. Can you say, hey man, I, I enjoy, that's why you're here this morning. We love to be in the house of the Lord. And then there's some times that just something special happens to us individually that really just ramps up the, the move of God in our spirit. And, and I think that, that when you see something like this happen to three men who went with Jesus, they never forgot it. They never, I mean, it impacted them in such a way that I believe even in their times of doubt, in times of fear in their life, that they drew back on this experience called this transfiguration. Let me say again, and I believe this with all my heart. I believe the scripture bears this out. When God opens the heaven, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. There's a, a special intention of God when he opens a heaven. It's not to play a game. It's not just to bless somebody. But I believe the scripture bears out when God opens the heaven to the earth. I mean literally breaks the heaven open and steps through that into the earthly. There, there is a thing that is greater than just looking at the miracle, just, just being in awe and, and falling out. There is a revelation power that God wants to do in the earth. And we can go back all the way in the Old Testament looking forward to Christ and see the times that, that God opened heaven. I, I mean, there were several times in the Old Testament that God did, but it was, it was to look forward to Christ. It was about prophetic future in Christ. And when God opens the heaven, it's to glorify Jesus Christ, to reveal him to men. And I believe that, that when heaven is open, that you're not, you're not just going to see something that, that looks, you know, kind of, kind of in the beyond something that we're going to. People have had visions of heaven and their visions of heaven were, were, were some to me seemed like crazy things. I, I'm not looking for heaven to be anything other than that revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then somebody else wrote a song that said, wherever Jesus will be, that's gonna make it heaven for me. I'm not looking for heaven as some town of destination that we can get to and fly through the, the, the black hole and the Milky Way and get past all that and get up into heaven. I believe heaven is where God is, where his glory is. And when heaven is open, then Jesus is revealed to men. Can you say amen? There's sufficient textual evidence here in these scriptures that we just read that even though it doesn't say the heaven was opened. I believe there's textual evidence here that the heaven was open. Even though it didn't 
technically say that. So I'm going to use it anyway. Because I believe sometimes the scripture will show us a thing, will use some words, use some phraseology that you can connect with other places in the scripture and find that, hey, this looks like the same. This is one of those. Some of the wording, some of the things that are said here, it, it shows us this opening in heaven. This thing wasn't done in the earth. And, and the thing that I like to see when God does a heavenly thing is you've got to put the flesh away. You've got to get the flesh out of it because God does a thing that's heavenly. It's not going to appeal to the fleshly man. But following, there's, there's, there's something here in John 1.51. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and, and it came across my heart as I was studying. In John 1.51, Jesus had just talked to Nathaniel. And Nathaniel uh, was under a fig tree. I don't know if you remember him. And Philip went out to get him and said, hey, come, we found the Christ. And so Nathaniel is coming and Jesus said, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip even went out to get you. And, and then uh, Nathaniel begins to realize who this is that he's talking to. And he says to Jesus, he says, you are the Christ, that you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, because I told you that, he said, you, you, you're just going on, on that alone. You're going to see greater things than this. Now, now watch this now. You're going to see greater things than this. In, in verse 51, from this time on, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I have a question for you. Do we have a report of that happening in the New Testament? The only time I can find that was prior to this, when Jesus was done with his temptation, and then the angels came and ministered to him. And then when he was in the garden, it said after he had gone through the agony, he would brought the disciples in there. They were asleep. They wouldn't pray. And he said, can you not watch with me? He was, he was perspiring, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. He was in agony. He said, my soul is in agony. Can you not just pray with me? And then he went back, and it said an angel came and ministered to him. Between those two spots, we don't have a record of angels coming down and ministering to Jesus. However, it did happen. Jesus, how many believe the Lord's right and everything else is wrong? <laughs> just, you got to settle that question if you're going to read the Bible. If you're going to believe the Bible, then you got to settle some questions in your heart. Whether somebody said it happened or not, it happened. And it must have happened. And somehow... Maybe it was, I'm going to say that probably most of the good things that are going to happen that have anything to do with spiritual value are going to be around spiritual things. They're not going to be when you're sitting around the table eating and just enjoying fellowship, but it's going to happen during times of prayer, during times of meeting, during times of the Spirit of God. It says at times that Jesus was ministering and the Spirit of God was there to heal. And, and there are times that he comes out of there, listen, believe 
believe me, before he took on his 12 disciples, it said he prayed all night. Before he walked on the water, he's in the mountain praying. Before he does anything that's going to be of a spiritual value, he's going to find that spiritual place before God and before himself to calm himself to get in the spirit of God. Listen, you're never going to see a revelation of Jesus Christ when you're watching a football game. You're never going to see a revelation of Jesus Christ out on the golf course or out hunting somewhere. You're going to see a revelation of Jesus Christ in the time that heaven should be open and that's the time of prayer before God. That's a time of humbling ourselves before the Lord. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to assume then that there were times and Jesus made it a habit of going up into the mountain to pray. I don't know why the mountain. Maybe it's just to get up and away from people. I mean, he could have gone down in a valley somewhere. It always seems like you get in a high place. Get up above the, 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 the world and, and the everyday stuff. And get up there where, where there's some peace and calm and quiet. And I believe in this time is where they would have seen angels ascending and descending upon him. But nevertheless, they're seeing that would have been an evidence of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. So again, the opening of heaven would have been to glorify the Lord. And so as we look at this this morning in this setting, I want, I want to begin to what we call exegete. And to exegete the scripture just means to simply explain and go slow. And so we're going to do that this morning so that we just like cover it all, okay? You all have read this so many times. And if you've read the New Testament, you've read it at least three times. And so it, it's, it's something that we're familiar with, but there's some things in here that are, that are pretty powerful. And, and so we're going, to, we're going to begin. In Luke 9 and in Matthew 16, which 17 starts this same story, Matthew 17. But if you look in Matthew 16, because the Bible wasn't written in chapters, how many knew that? Well, I thought the Bible was written in chapters and verses. No, the Bible, if, if you've ever seen New Testament Greek, you can't tell where it stops and where it begins. There is no punctuation at all. There are no periods to end the sentence. There are no insets to begin the chapters. It doesn't happen like it's just words. And, and so people split it all up. And a lot of times when they split it up, they, they split the 17 away from verse, uh, chapter 16 in Matthew. And, but here in, in Luke 9, it's almost like a continuous thing. Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they begin to tell him, oh, some say that you, you're Elijah. You're one of the prophets that's come back. And they reported different things that men had said, but Jesus looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And this is when Peter spoke up. And we're going to find Peter in this story this morning. We're going to find him previously. And, you know, I, I love Peter. He's, he's just... 
I can identify with him. Sometimes he just speaks without even thinking. In fact, the scripture said he didn't know what to say. I got something for you. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. It's just, it's just good policy. But Peter's always speaking up, but here he speaks up and says, who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And now Jesus says a comment to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. But heavenly matters. The Father, heavenly, has revealed this to you. I don't believe you're going to get a revelation of Jesus on an earthly level that's going to help you. I don't believe watching another film that Hollywood put out about Jesus is going to bless you. And the natural man and his life and how he grew up and where he grew up. And, and there are not that many specifics about that in Scripture because that's not where we're to see him. But the Spirit of God makes real the life of Christ to us. And, and the revelation of God doesn't come out of the flesh. It comes out of the Spirit. And, and so Peter has, has birthed in him something, birthed in him a spirit thing that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus had asked them, Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? But as we progress down and don't take the, the line of chapters there, Jesus is going to go in to another area. Who does God say that I am? And if you could just read it down and, 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 and follow it down, you'll, you'll realize that it really is more than just one thing here that we're going um, to separate the two because I believe it's, it's, a, it's a continuous. Now look at this. If you'll go with me back to Luke, the ninth chapter, and I want to read back to the 26th verse. For whosoever is ashamed of me, and he's finishing this discourse with Peter, Whosoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that one when he comes in his glory. Can you say glory? And that of the Father and of the holy angels when he comes in his glory because you're going to need that word. We're going to find it over here in our story in, in uh, further down the ninth chapter. But 27 says, But truly I say to you, there are some of those standing here who in no way shall taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Okay. Who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples and says to them that morning or afternoon, whatever it is, he says to them, there are some of you that are here right now that you're not going to taste death until you see the kingdom of God come to pass. And now, now, now watch how this is worded in the Greek. And about eight days after these sayings, it happened. I've never seen that. The revelation that God is going to do with some of them that stand there, not all of them, he didn't take them all, but some of you that stand here are going to see the kingdom of God and you're going to see the glory 
of Christ and the Father. And about eight days later, it happened. Now, just for general purposes, if you look at Matthew 17, you're going to find out that Matthew said six days after. And if you look at Mark, Mark is going to say six days after. See there, the Bible, look at that. Look at that. The Bible, the stories aren't even adding up. Well, Luke didn't say specific. He said about eight days after. Well, six was about eight. And the purpose here is to show that there's a separation here between what Peter had proclaimed and what God is going to do by revelation. And so it's not the same afternoon. And we don't want to get the two confused because what God's going to do is going to set out and, and, the, and the Lord, he just let it, he laid it on them and then he let it cook for a few days. Some of you here are going to see the kingdom of God and, and I wonder, you know, what they're thinking. What the, what the disciples are talking to each other and but what does he mean, the kingdom of God, and, and who's going to see it? Some of us here are going to see it. I guess others really aren't going to be privy to it or whatever. And so about eight days later, which they said was six days, so about eight days, but six days later, it happened. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and takes them up, and they don't know what he's doing except they're going up to a prayer meeting. And I'm going to tell you what, the flesh loves to pray. It's one thing it loves to do. That My flesh, I have never in my life ever wanted to pray in my flesh. But there is a drawing in our spirit. And Jesus is drawing them to prayer. And the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And he's drawing them to prayer and they're... They're going up and they're just saying, man, another prayer meeting. Jesus is all about prayer meetings. I tell, I tell you, Lord, couldn't we just do something besides prayer this time? And they're going along with him and probably happily going with him. But as they make their way up the mountain, get to the place that where the Lord has in his mind is, is the right spot and the right place, whether it's on top of the mountain or in a cave or whatever it was, they begin to pray. And I always say this about the disciples because it's us. Jesus began to pray and they begin to sleep. Now I know because I work and, and I'm not detached from the working man. I'm a working man. Sometimes I come in on a Wednesday night and I don't want Brother Aaron to know it, but I'm tired. And I try my best to stay attentive to everything that's going on. And, and normally, I do a pretty good job on that. Sometimes you fight it. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you something else about being in church. Somebody said the other day, church is the best place to sleep. I mean, if you're having problems sleeping at night, come to church. There's just something about it, you know. The, the preacher's up there. He's got the microphone. And, the dun, 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 and pretty soon, man, the eyes are getting heavy. And it's not that you don't love the Lord. It's not that you don't want to be here. You just, it's just coming on you. And he's like, whoo, boy, I'm fighting it. You know, I'm trying to stay. Everybody goes through that a little bit. You come to prayer meeting, I mean, 
what an excellent time to sleep. Nobody will even know. Just get down at the bench and go to sleep. That's what the disciples said. You know, Lord, they went up with him, but he, they got up there, and the Lord, he's over there, and he began to pray. It doesn't say how much distance there is between him, and he's over there, and he's, he's praying and, and seeking. As a man, he's praying, you know, and, and, and Peter and James and John, they probably said a few things, and then they, then they got sleepy, and, and they dozed off. They dozed off. You can miss a lot of good things if you doze off in church. The Lord never ministers to us, you know, when we're asleep. I, I think sometimes God gives us sleep and rest, but when we're asleep on our feet, he never, he, there's, there's never any awareness of the Spirit. And so they're out, they're asleep, and while Jesus is praying, his visage changes, his appearance changes. It says that his face even changed his clothes and, and one of the writers said they became whiter than if they were washed in any fuller soap on the face of the earth I mean they did just brilliant dazzling white and here he is standing there in this transformed figure and two men come to talk to him but it says they came to talk to him in glory. Remember the word glory. Some of you are going to see my glory and see the kingdom come. They didn't come to him in the flesh. These were not flesh men. These were spirit men. They came in glory. And sometimes we get our mind and we're trying to figure out, wrap our mind around it, and all we can see is the natural. This isn't done natural. This is an opening of heaven. This thing isn't about natural men. This is about the Spirit of God. This is about what God is doing in a miraculous moment on a top of a mountain somewhere. Jesus is glorified. He is, he's come into such presence that everything about him is white and pure and clean. His face is even shining. And now these two men come to talk to him, but they are talking to him about spirit things. They're not talking to him about flesh things, but they're talking to him about his exodus, which will soon happen in Jerusalem. Jesus will carry out the design of God as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And these men are talking to him about that. Long about that time, the boys wake up. Now I want to tell you, when they went to sleep, Jesus was praying. When they woke up, heaven was open. Knocked their eyes out. They were absolute amazement of what was going on. Never seen anything like this. And now there are these two men. How did they know that they were Moses and Elijah? See, there's this thing about Moses and Elijah coming to talk to Jesus because I believe and know for sure that Moses represented the law and that Elijah represented the prophets. But see, this is not the first time they had talked. We find him all the way back at 12 years old in the temple 
And what is he doing there? He's talking about Moses and Elijah. He's talking about the law and the prophets. See, they're very well acquainted. They they know each other quite well. Jesus has studied Moses. He studied the law. He has studied the prophets. He knows what the prophets have to say. And now they have come to finalize this deal. And listen, everything about the Old Testament is coming to a close. Moses and Elijah are coming to a close. And they will close it in Christ Jesus. What they said is going to come to pass in Jesus. There will be nothing left over. It doesn't go over into the New Testament. But those things of the law and the prophets, they have now come to fullness in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Those things, there's, there's a scripture in, uh, in John 3 that Jesus said, things that are of the flesh are of the flesh. That which is of the Spirit is of the Spirit. Let me remind, this is something that I have to do and I hope that, that this procedure you also take to heart when you get into spiritual things. Church is not about fleshly stuff. And I know that we're here. I know we physically, we play the pianos and organs and drums and guitars and we physically do that. But that's not what it is about. If we leave it there, then we've just acted in the flesh. But if we convert that into spirit, into worship, and we convert that into praise, and the reason why we're doing that is to praise the Lord, it goes from the flesh into the spirit. And I believe that it's no longer fleshy, but it's spirit. And so that's why we're very careful sometimes. I don't like to get people who are real showy, who have, who have you know, a lot of experience in, in the world singing, and they're going to come and sing for us. I, I kind of worry about that a little bit because it's all about the flesh. Because I don't need the flesh when I come to church. I get the flesh out there. And, and I get all the things that the world's doing out there. We see what they're doing. When I come to the house of God, I don't come here for a revelation of flesh. I come here for a revelation of the Spirit of God to come down and touch every area of what we're doing. Flesh and Spirit do not mix. They're like oil and water. They just don't mix. They, you see it in the flesh. You cannot see it in the spirit. But if you see it in the spirit, you begin to understand the spirit and the flesh. Begin to detect some things that are, that are flesh. I think God enables his ministers to divide that which is spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. There's nothing wrong with things just being flesh, but I don't want them to enter into the things of the Spirit. Can you say amen? So we're not here to worship preachers. We're not here to worship singers. We're not here to worship programs. We're not here to put on any kind of airs. We are always here that God come by your spirit and minister to us this morning. I don't want to leave out of here without the presence of God having come and touch my spirit so that when I leave out of here, I've got something more than what I came in with. That the spirit of God will touch us. So anything that represents an opening of heaven, a blessing of heaven, a spirit of God is going to change this old carnal mind that we have the natural response to spiritual matters is always out of place. There's a reason why God calls 
Now, now, let me phrase this because I don't want to put myself in a bad light here. Not many wise of this world, not many noble of this world, but then he goes on to say, but he's caused the foolishness of preaching. Now, you know, I don't want to feel like that I'm a dummy, that God called me and I'm not wise. No, he can call wise. He can call... But God is not running a business here. He is building himself a church. He's not calling CEOs. He's not calling us to do the greatest thing in the community with big buildings and and all of that stuff that's going on all over the place to kind of represent. We're going to represent God well. God can move in the tent with the flapping curtains out there far greater than he can ever move in the house of cedars and the house that looks so fine and and refined for everybody to worship in. I just want the spirit of God in the place. I don't care where we're at. I don't care uh, if it impresses the community or not. I'm not looking for the community to say, boy, that church is really going. Look at them, how good they look. I'm, I want the community to say, those people believe that God comes down in the house when they're there. And let it be known around this area that this is just one little church that when you come in this place, we're going to worship God. When you get in here, we're going to try and look at what God has for your life and how God can change you, how God can rescue you and change your life from what it is. I want God to continually change us and mold us and make us into the image of Jesus Christ. Can the church come on? Say an amen right there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If we mix the mental, if we mix our our physical thinking, our carnal mind, in other words, Peter or Paul Paul wrote and said the carnal mind. What the carnal mind is a friend of God. We just help God along with our carnal mind. No, no. The carnal mind is an enemy of God. Let me tell you how it works, real quick. We have heard from the time we were little kids in in a lot of variety of places, you haven't heard it here, but you've heard in a lot of variety of places, about heaven. Heaven is a place of mansions and gold. Heaven is a place of family reunion. And just good times. And we're going to sit down and put our feet in the, in the river of life. And we're going to have a great feast and a great dinner. And, you know, let me tell you, this, this sounds good. It, it just, this is all flesh, right? Come on, this is, this is flesh talking now. But when I see the heaven open in the scripture, I never see anything like that. I never see Peter and James and John here now looking into heaven and seeing, you know, past Jesus. Get out of the way, Jesus. I want to see into heaven the mansions and gold and everything. No, because that's ridiculous. That's the mind of the flesh telling us a spiritual thing. The mind of the flesh telling us what God's about is never going to work. It has to be the Spirit of God telling us what heaven is about. Can you say amen? And so I just wanted to throw that in there. It's not about gold and silver and mansions and family and friends and kumbaya. That is not what heaven is about. The truth about heaven, it is that it is God's realm. 
It's the eternal presence and glory and his holiness and righteousness and purity and who he is and where he lives. That's what heaven is about. And when heaven is open, that's what you're going to see. If there is a report that, boy, I saw heaven, and uh, I use this, and, and you know, so let me repeat it. Jesse Duplass, I heard him preach. I heard him preach. I heard him say it. That God took him to heaven in a gondola. Now, that's weird. That's his words, not mine. And he got off the gondola, and there he was in the, the streets of gold and everything. And, and the angel said, come, I want to show you your mansion. And he went to his mansion, and there, wouldn't you know it? God knew everything he wanted. Chippendale furniture was in there. That's what he's always wanted. Quit being foolish, Jesse. You got anything you want right now worth millions and millions of dollars. Not taking off the gospel. That was too many pickles before he went to bed. You know, maybe he took too many aspirin. I don't know. But that was not heaven. Heaven's about the essence of the presence of God. In the best times you've ever felt ever in prayer. In the best time that you've ever felt in the preaching of the word of God. The best times that you have ever felt the spirit of the Lord filling you. That, my friends, is what heaven is all about this old flesh is going to pass away and the desires of flesh is going to pass away but the word of God is going to last forever and ever and ever he shall live on. It's about him. It's about his glory. About his revelation. Thank God he does come and just gives us some heavenly sometimes. I need it. Amen. Well, let's go on. Don't be a disciple now. Don't go to sleep. Peter wakes up not knowing what to say. <laughs> and, uh, but he is going to say something. Three tabernacles, Lord. Let's build some tabernacles up. It's good to be here. Boy, this is great stuff. Let's build some tabernacles. See, it's, it's all this fleshly thing with him. He's, he's not... He's not getting past the flesh yet. Let's build these tabernacles. One for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah. One for the Old Testament. One for the law. And one for you. No, I don't think so. John 1.17, the law came through Moses. Hebrew 1.1, and God spoke to the fathers through the prophets, but it doesn't end there that in these last days there's only one direction and it's not a law and it's not a prophet and it's not going backwards into an Old Testament somewhere, but it is a new and a living way that's set out for you and I and the only way you're going to get there is not the law and the prophets, it's Jesus Christ and what he's doing in the revelation of Jesus Christ It's what's going to take you in this day, not the Old Testament. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to temple worship. I'm not going back to Davidic worship. I'm not 
not going back to, to, to encouraging them rebuilding the temple on the temple mount. That's not where we're going. We're going ahead in Christ Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the captain. He is the savior. He is the author. He is the finisher. He's the one that we are following now. We're not following old things. We're not following an Old Testament time. We're following the Lord and the savior, Jesus Christ. About the time that Peter is he's just letting it out of his mouth this has got to be embarrassing right have you ever said something as it was going out of your mouth you wanted to stop it but it was too late I think Ronnie said a while back he said can you unsay things can, I just wish I could unsay some things I wish I could unsee some things you know well it got out of my mouth and I couldn't stop it and, and, and I like this because, because the Lord's going to show Peter something here. As he is saying fleshly stuff, and it's rolling out of his mouth, a cloud overwhelms them. Right as he's saying these things. In other words, Peter, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about earthly things, and I'm talking about spiritual things. Now listen, it overshadows them, uses the same Greek word that happened with Mary, and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. Because I believe what's happening with these three disciples, there's a birthing taking place inside of them. Like I said, that they'll never forget when you get in the presence of God, when you really get in the presence of God and there's some revelation there, you will never forget that the rest of your life. You may have some problems and Peter will do that. Peter will deny the Lord and Peter will go out and weep bitterly, but he hasn't left. He's just made some errors in his life because he has already been overshadowed by the almighty God overshadow us. God, I believe in the birthing of the, the transformation of us out of sin into righteousness, the life of Christ. I believe there is an overshadowing that comes out of the spirit realm. It comes out of God's realm and it covers us and no wonder old things pass away and all things become new in Christ Jesus because there has been a miraculous overshadowing of the power of God in our life. You say, I tried to reform myself. I tried to be better. And New Year's coming in just a few days. We can turn over a new leaf and, and this year we're going to do better. But I'd rather have the Spirit of God for just one moment in my life than all of the ideas of flesh that I could come up with and say, God, just, just for a moment transform me. Just for a moment would you just overshadow my life and envelop me with the very presence of God. And out of that cloud comes a voice. The invisible God is verifying the literal flesh body that's standing before them. This time it doesn't say, you are my son. This time it says this. 
is my son. Because these disciples have seen the glory of the Lord and the kingdom that is to come. They will give their lives for this kingdom now. They'll burn their time going around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because they've seen the kingdom come. Not the fleshly thing. Not the, not the thing. It, it almost entered back into that thing when in, in, in the first chapter of, of uh, Acts when they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel again? And, and they're almost... They're almost slipping back to that natural thing again, that, that, that thing that seems like that's what we need to work for, but really it's the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not flesh and blood. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit of God. That's where the kingdom of God is, not in churches, not in benches, not in buildings. The kingdom of God is in His righteousness. Can you say amen? And the revelation of who Jesus is. And so now, after all of the goings-on, heavenly goings-on, this time the disciples now are on their face in fear. <laughs> just whew, The cloud finally got them. What they saw there was amazing, and they got into the cloud, and now they're down on their faces. Said they're scared to death. And Jesus come and touched them. And lifted them up and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. There's a story here inside of a story. I'd be real careful about multiplicities with God. We're going to build three things for you, God, and we're going to worship in three different angles and directions. I think you need to be careful about that. For one, the voice that comes out of heaven says, Hear him! And then when all has dissipated, there's nothing left. Let me tell you this. When all religion is over, when all church entity... When everything, when you face the trial of your life and everything is shaken down in your life, I don't know if you've ever been there. I've said this before, but let me say it again. If you ever get to the place where everything is shaken out of your life, everything you thought, everything you hoped for, and it's all shaken out of your life, when that whole thing is done, there's only going to be one constant for you to take hold of, and that is Jesus alone. But friend, he's enough. <laughs> it's not like, oh, man, I don't have anything else. He is the provider of all things in our life. He's the one who totally can take care of everything about us. Going down off of the mountain now, Jesus said to them, he said, don't share this until after I rise again. And so I, I, they probably, the scripture said they didn't talk to, to other people about it. But Peter did. But he wasn't out of sort with it. He wasn't out of line with it. He said in Second Peter, the first chapter, after Jesus had already risen again, so he's following the direction of the Lord. Peter says this, and listen to this closely. 
Now, we weren't following cleverly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, having become eyewitnesses of the majesty of that one. For receiving alongside God, the progenitor, the, 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 the Father, honor and glory. A voice was brought to him, such as under authority of the magnificent glory. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Peter never forgot the experience that he had when the heaven was open to him. There's a lot of people go to church. There's a lot of people that confess Christianity, but really have never experienced anything beyond that. And Peter said, In this voice we heard being born out of heaven, being with him in the holy mountain. Well, it's the same story. That's what Peter's talking about. Let me finish right here. And I am finishing. If you ever have a heavenly God encounter, there's a lot of people talking about God encounters. It comes from part of the, 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 the big church in this valley. You need to have a God encounter. I'll warn you about that encounter. If it's anything other than the revealing and showing of Christ real to your life, you don't want that encounter. There's a lot of spirits in the world. John said there's a bunch of spirits out there in the world. But there's only one true righteous spirit. And what is the name? Holy. That's the adjective of that one. Holy Spirit of God. If you ever have a heavenly God encounter, it will be to expose to you the love of God which is demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ our Lord, our God, our Savior. Amen. And when all the dust is settled around here, and we've had a thousand services, we've sang hundreds of thousands of songs, we've preached sermons from this pulpit and from the last pulpit, thousands of sermons. And when all that settled out, there's just one thing that needs to remain standing in the church, and that is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ and his goodness, his glory, his kingdom, his salvation power. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we've done our best again to glorify you. And this event that we read is not just a story. Lord, this event happened. It's real. It's true. Lord, you show yourself to us. You have revealed yourself to us so that, that we cried out for you. Lord, and you saved us, and you washed us and cleansed us, and you brought heaven into our life. And we so thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that has heard this message or somebody watching, so I've never experienced anything just beyond church. I've never experienced a, really a knowledge of Jesus. I pray they'll find 
the born again experience power that is in you, Lord. That you'll bring something heavenly, not fleshly, but something spiritual into every life, Lord. Glorify yourself. May they see the kingdom of God for what it is, Lord. And we thank you for it, Jesus. Amen, amen. To see
going to have another time of fellowship in the Lord. God bless